0: Welcome to Where We Land, a podcast that explores the relationship between Christ culture and the church. Hello, my name is Aaron, and welcome to the Where We Land studio with my co-host, Ms. Morgan McClure.
1: What's up, guys?
0: And Mr. Stephen Vaughn. Hello, everyone. Hey, we're thrilled as we're here today talking with you about identity, so we hope you'll join us for the full discussion ahead. Guys, well, man, it's a lot been happening. I know the last few weeks with everybody here, and uh, what's been going on? What's What's been new?
1: Well, uh, I'm covid free, yes, so you are, COVID-free. and you're back. <laughs> and with I'm us, back. So.
0: Hey,
1: man, <laughs> yeah, it was fun, but also don't want to, you know, be isolated forever. So, we're yeah, good. yeah, that
0: was a full like seven or eight, ten days, something like that. It was a long yeah. time, yeah. it was a long
1: time. But pretty we're pretty rough, now. isn't it? Yeah. I yeah. had to do
0: it like
2: twice now. And it makes me every time like despise it more and more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I just feel like it makes me more lazy though. Cause I'm like, oh, well I'm by myself. I can't really but get But then you done. get to the end
2: of it and you're like, You're happy that you don't have COVID, but then you're like, I just spent the last seven days as if I had COVID. Now I'm upset. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't want COVID. So did you just like crush
0: Netflix all week? Like, what did you. Actually,
1: no. And I had a quarantine buddy because I was actually um, house sitting, slash, being a. sort of a sister for this neighbor that i know and they went out of town and their daughter stayed behind so I was staying with her we were we were exposed together yep. so it didn't matter yep. um so we were like taking care of all their animals and i was working from home so it was like a it was not as boring as isolation could have been so gotcha. it was fun well that's good that yeah. sounds decent yeah it was great
0: so the word on the street, though, is that Stephen the Raccoon Slayer is back. Like, that's <laughs> yes. that's what I've um, heard. He came back last night.
2: Oh Oddly enough, we're talking about identities this morning. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, um, Mr. Raccoon, Father Raccoon, um, made a, another visit to my house last night. And I think he's trying to pay revenge uh, for some of his family not being with us anymore. Got that
1: vigilante so action going he, on. Uh, <laughs> well, he oh came goodness. and he
2: dumped all the cat food out. Nice. Then he, like went over and started he's a like a big raccoon. You oh, got he's a massive. picture of that thing on he's your massive, phone, dude. man. That thing's massive. I wish you guys could see this. And then he, like, he's bo- huge. He bows up at my cats. And then my one cat, you'd have to know Max. He's just like he's a funny cat, but he like <laughs> looks at him as like do something, you know? And like the raccoon just like and like shakes his head and runs off. So, I baited him in. Um peanut butter is a raccoon's feast, by the way. So, if you ever need to catch a raccoon out there, make sure you use peanut butter. And so I put peanut butter on this old food and I set it up and then I put a little bird seed and cat food mixture, kind of like a oh, saute down on the f- saute. No. Um, um,
1: I think you're looking <laughs> for like words a this
2: mixture, before recording. Say, mixture yeah. on the floor. Mm. And then he came back, but it was at four and my fo- I have a video camera set up on him with like with alert messages, <laughs> but it wasn't loud enough and it didn't wake me up. So but I had every weapon in the house ready to go with different flashlight capability. No, see, I'm not at spear level yet. It's more- Emily's back home now. So, you know, that was when she was gone. Yeah, like now I'm I'm (laughs) fully clothed and in my right mind. I just am using weapons. Before it was, I was kind of like the demoniac uh, that Jesus Uh had to heal. (laughs) Not in his right mind.
1: (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Oh my gosh, you need to name that raccoon something other than father raccoon because it sounds kind of like- if everything that's goes right,
2: he might not need a name after tonight. Okay. So we'll see. Well, that's <laughs> sad, man. Like you don't mess with my cats. I guess when you guess mess not. with my pets, like, like hmm. people don't understand. Like when you live in the country, like you don't mess with somebody's. He pets. is oh, a no. massive raccoon, though. No, I will say that he's a very
1: yeah. big and he's raccoon. He's here to cause trouble. He is that so, clear?
0: So here's the thing. I, I got a question for the podcast this morning. Okay. All right. So so the question for the group is this: Have any one of us ever been the victim of identity theft? Uh, okay. Go ahead. I knew you would answer this. Yes. That's why I asked.
1: Okay. Well, here's the thing. It was like inadvertent identity theft. And <clears throat> actually, it was my student loan lenders who like... St- I don't even know how to describe this other than the fact that, okay, so for any of the listeners who don't know, I am an identical twin. So that means same birthday, our social security numbers are off by one digit, and that confuses a lot of insurance companies and student loan holders, so. That's
0: tough. Yeah, Yeah. and
1: so when I graduated and started trying to sort out my loans, they had put my sister's name as an alias for me. And so (laughs) I ended up with double the amount of student loans that I actually had, gave me a small, small heart attack and it took months to sort that out so yeah so the your credit.
2: sister stole your identity
1: well really it was like inadvertently
2: the cr- through
0: yeah it was like the creditors like they and, and yeah.
1: it, we just merged into one person i mean so people have joked about that all our lives you guys are just one person well the creditors thought so too so, you, hold so free, against? you got all the debt like. yeah yeah right i know i just got saddled with it all do you
2: hold this against her
1: no not against her just the so I actually have a funny
2: story creepy. about identity theft. It didn't happen to me, but
0: I was at a conference. Which is not a funny thing. I mean, I no, no, just want to no, clarify no. this, because there's probably oh, no. a lot of people that it's have had identity it's, it's not actually, funny. It's actually, like, I, I just actually this year filed taxes again. I, I filed taxes every year. but <laughs> we It seems weird, like, <laughs> again. But when, but when I, I, I got a letter uh, from the IRS that so they were trying to confirm, I guess yep. this year they're trying to, like, really confirm they're information for everything people with everything, everything that's going on with everything. And so as soon as I got the letter, I was like, oh, no, I might have to go through, like, full audit like did someone steal my identity and i was like oh no no okay it is a scary
2: thing but i was at a conference this weekend yeah and one of the speakers she has an identical twin and when yep. they went to high school, they would switch classes <laughs> on their <laughs> teachers, and the teachers wouldn't know. And so one day she went in and she was like misbehaving in the class to get her sister what? in trouble. Okay. Yeah, me
1: and my sister and were never sister on that, that level. the sister got in
2: trouble, and they wouldn't let her off because they what? counted it for her. It's hilarious. It was Ooh, a great story. If my sister ever did that to it. me,
1: although I I had that kind of streak where I would have been the one to do that yes. and try to get her in trouble, but we were never like that hardcore. We did have a bunch of classes together which was so fun my 10th grade history teacher doke harbison he was the man and what was his name doke harbison
2: what a beastly name right he sounds like a CIA agent like he was cool sounds like a CIA agent (laughs) so we
1: we had the class with him and he sat us on opposite sides of the room that's a rookie mistake you know you're just gonna Mm. get used to us being on those sides and so like many times throughout the year we just like
0: swapped over and he was handing
1: out tests one day he's like wait a second
0: <laughs> it's
1: like, get back to where you belong. This doesn't make sense. <laughs> So
0: yep. Well, I ask that because identity is a big issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, people that have had their identity stolen know the the pain and mm-hmm. the process that's gone into trying to recover that. It can take years sometimes. Oh, man. I mean, I've talked to some people that have had that happen personally, mm-hmm. and I mean, it it's is a like terrible a thing. long-haul process oh, to get everything right. It's terrible. And so really on the podcast today, I want to ask the question, what is the big deal about identity? I mean, we're talking about identity, and we've been in season three. Um, and a lot of the episodes from this season, we've been linking to discussions revolving worldview. And so um, not every one of them, but, but a majority of them have been uh, kind of those worldview type of issues and questions. And, and one of those existential questions uh, that pops up in the worldview discussion is the question, who am I, which is really a question of identity. It's, it's, um, it's how a person describes themselves or how they introduce themselves or even how they perceive themselves. And, and so I want to ask the question as we think about the podcast this morning. What is the big deal about identity?
1: Well, I think one of the the biggest things about it is that who you are determines how you perceive the world. And outside of like, what's the point of living? I think, who am I, is the biggest existential question that people grapple with on a daily basis. You know, Hmm. every day you're making decisions based on like who you are, who others perceive you as, and, and how you perceive yourself. And I just think, I mean... You see a lot of problems when people don't know who they are when they have that existential crisis. It's like, well, I don't even know who I am anymore.
2: Mm. Yeah, I think this is something that's going to work on two levels. It's going to define a lot of what happens with you personally in your life. So who you are is going to determine how you live a lot of times. And then also it works on a different level, though, because who you are affects the group as a whole on more of a sociological level of like, who am i and where do i fit you know mm. and so because who you are does matter to the group as a whole but who you are is really going to play a major role in your life and every person deals with this question whether they actually ask those the the three little words who am i they will deal with this question
0: and it's something you face on a daily basis like the how the do you describe you yourself mm-hmm. well from the time yeah. you grew yeah, up, exactly. identity formation is pressed upon us from the time we're born mm-hmm. i mean wh- how how you describe yourself even growing up like where were you born where did you grow up? Um, mm-hmm. You know what? What kind of kid were you? Were you the funny kid? Were you the smart kid? Were you, uh, you know, what? You know, how, yeah. how do you describe yourself? The nicknames. Did yep. it, I mean, all of us have gotten nicknames, you know, and sometimes the nicknames are good nicknames, sometimes are not so good nicknames, and and oftentimes it's 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 a reflection of how somebody else sees you, mm-hmm. or or how you perceive yourself, and so. Uh, nicknames? That's I was just curious. I was going to ask. I don't perceive you as a moose. <laughs> Morgan's, <laughs> well,
1: nickname, Morgan's nickname
2: is the moose. And Well, Stephen I has like 800 Stephen. nicknames for I don't, me. I don't perceive you as a moose though, Morgan. I appreciate So I'm just that. letting you know that that has nothing to do with how I perceive you. Well, oh, thank
1: you. That makes me feel a lot more secure <laughs> in myself.
2: <laughs> I just wanted to let you know that.
0: <laughs> I had nicknames growing up. I think the, people always used to call me Manny in college. Well, that, that
1: makes sense. But that makes sense. they didn't call
0: me for Manny for Mansfield. Like oh. no, and and people <laughs> always wondered from? like where did Manny, Manny come from? But it's the it's the it's the the elephant the 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 dude <gasps> off of I ice. say a real big oh dude. Yes, and uh, so like yeah, that was I don't know like one of the guys in the dorm that's called me Manny, funny. and like the whole hall like people at college didn't know me by my first name; they knew me by Manny. Mm. And it can was you, just can we start calling you Manny? I mean, I mean it was actually <laughs> I, 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 the, I, I mean it was a cool I thought it was a cool nickname, and I mean that's
2: and, a that's a great. I mean, I would yeah, love to name th- Manny after the ele- like, the um
0: what is it son A mammoth the mammoth, mammoth woolly mammoth. The, mammoth the woolly mammoth and I was like you know I was not very well known in college but the weird thing was like people would know me by my nickname Yo, <laughs> before they'd ever know me by my real name <laughs> that's so funny which w- was crazy that happened
1: to me in college too um like my family toward the end of high school they started calling me Mo. And I love that nickname. Which is a
0: big nickname. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: so and so but then at college, there ended up being another Morgan on my hall my sophomore year. So Mo just became my name. So so many people at school just knew me by Mo instead of Morgan. So when they would say my full name, I was like, wow, that sounds weird coming from you. And then now a lot of people at our church call me Mo and it's just or Momo. Momo. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That too gets thrown around. Not
2: after the creepy Momo the internet meme that was going around you told me that one that's free if you called a number like uh, creepy momo would show up on your screen is it was it was that one of those? W- phenomena. Yeah,
1: early 2000s stuff. Anyway, back on track. <laughs> okay, so,
0: but so we're talking about identity, right? So it, it is a question of just rippling consequence. It, mm-hmm. it is how you answer that question for you. And like Morgan was saying, or Steve was saying, it may not be something that you uh, have really kind of thought through in that kind of really existential way, but it is something that is pressed upon us. And, and I think. At least subconsciously, we we think about ourselves in a certain way. We mm-hmm. perceive ourselves uh, to have identity. So, so with that, let's just kind of define it a moment here. What is identity? I, I pulled a definition from Oxford Dictionary, and one there's a number of different ways you can describe identity, but probably the most prominent one is just the fact of being who or what a person or thing is. So it's mm-hmm. it's talking about that who like. I think it it involves a number of things, but it, at least in one sense, it, it's a sense of self. It's who I am. Like, who am I at the core of my being? So so what identifies you as you? So as we think mm-hmm. about, you know, just the people sitting around the table today, like, what is it about Steven or Morgan or me that, that, that makes us who we are, you know? Mm-hmm. Is that too deep? I,
1: I'm thinking like... <laughs> Wow, that's like a <laughs> that's a very meta question. Yeah. This think, is going to get really meta. I thing. think if we're just going okay. on a
2: basic level though, yeah. like you would say that Morgan's part of Morgan's identity. Like we're not discussing spiritually spirituality yet and how this relates to the, the Bible and his word, but just like on a basic level, I mm-hmm. mean
1: your I personality w- my, would be a part My of identity that. would You're-
2: be that I have a personality that likes to kind of have fun sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, but sometimes might be a little bit more laid back. I am a Uh, male right and i'm 20 i'm 20 Mm -hmm. whatever i carry the dna of the vaughn family you Mm -hmm. know and things like that that would be kind of some basic ways of just who am i Mm -hmm. like what is some descriptions what is some characteristics and attributes that define the core of who i am how would you define it you're you're better at defining things
1: oh boy well i i think It kind of goes down into like layers, you know, like who you are on the surface, you know, the doctor, you go to the doctor's office and they ask you for your birthday, how tall you are, how much you weigh, you know, very basic stuff. So you have this outer self, but then, you know, you go the deeper in you go. It's more of that um, sort of it really is that metaphysical level of, you know what you think about things and and your personality personality is huge i mean you have people who have doctorates just in studying personality Mm. and so um there really is so much to a person so that question who am i or who are you goes miles deep
0: yeah into the core the self of who you are Mm -hmm. and then it also really does communicate a sense of worth what what makes a person confident in their value of of Mm -hmm. who they are you know because um, and every culture has a way of kind of underlying and highlighting what an acceptable identity looks like and every culture does this through through everything in society, whether it is songs or slogans or it, it's it 's always somehow you know communicated that it 's hey, this is just the way that it is so mm-hmm. America today in the twenty first century is is very different than other parts of the world, uh, because there's a lot of places around the world that would really still kind of embrace kind of a historical, traditional identity, meaning that a person's identity is formed much more by the community that they're a part of or the family that they're in. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Um and uh, there, there is this aspect, I think, to any identity formation where there's an external factor and an internal factor. And I wanted to stick this in just while we were still sort of talking about the definition. There's this common known thing in basic psychology talk- when it comes to identity, and it's called the Johari window. And this really shows like the interplay between your external identity formation and internal identity. Identity formation. So it's this it's this four square little picture. Um, and there's sections that are known to self and known to others or n- not known to self and not known to others. So you have your open self that's known to you and everybody else blind self, which is known to other people and not to you hidden self, which is not known to others, but very well known to you. And then your unknown self, which is not known to others or yourself. So I think that's, that's where you can see, like, there is a lot of interplay between, you know, how your community forms you with that uh, open self and your blind self. I mean, your community knows it better than you. But then you get to see a little bit more individual, you know, and I know we're going to talk about that in a minute. But
0: so how do you see that then shaping how we think through identity?
1: Well, it just this is sort of categorizing how you can keep things hidden from other people and even yourself. So as much as your community shapes you, um, you're still an individual with subjective ways of thinking and um, an independent mind that, you know, can sometimes be untouched by the community around you.
0: Yeah. So when we think about a, a like kind of a historical identity, was something that was, you know, very much a part of the fabric of a community. I mean, I, I think, you know, you mentioned you carry the DNA of the Vaughn family. Well, when you think about that, like in a historical kind of a traditional way, whatever your family occupation was, more than likely is what you would have been doing. I mean, yeah. in, in those types of settings. Far enough, it I mean, was a little crazy.
2: I believe some of our family killed the mayor in a town in england and then peaced out
1: whoa what? so yeah that's i don't know if that's a positive thing but identity. anyway <laughs> so how is that
2: in the
0: family history book like um, like well, how did you find that out so my one brother
2: and uncle got like really consumed with like our family history and they like okay. tracked us back into like
0: english and welsh roots so the whole raccoon slayer thing is right within line with wow, the it's genetic. Oh, <laughs> Passed
1: on the line. You should call him Mayor Raccoon.
0: <laughs> the mayor. The mayor. The mayor. Well, think it through this just a moment. And if you're and as you're listening with us, we want you to think through this. How how has traditional identity kind of been shaped not so much in America, but in other cultures around the world.
1: Well, I I think especially when you look at other um Religions uh look at a lot of Southeast Asia and the Middle East. their identity as a, a culture and it passes through their lineage is their religion. you know um lots uh you know I've done a lot of studies on um Islam and i and I know several Muslims and they the way they talk about it like being a Muslim that's who we are you know, we are born this way and anything contradictory to that is just, that's that's not who we are. You know, right. it's so ingrained within them and the community forms that, you know? So anything like, you know, leaving the religion is a huge deal.
0: Because being in an honor-shame culture like mm-hmm. that is even more so because yeah. the, what you do reflects upon your family mm-hmm. because who you are is much more, well, I'm a son or I'm a daughter or I... Tied to this community yes. in this formative way rather than a very individualistic approach mm-hmm. to how we in America have embraced identity today. Because in America, everything is so individualistic. And mm-hmm. I don't think we realize how much. That type of fierce individualism has worked its way through our society and the way that we think through uh, identity, because everything now in America, in our culture, is so individualistic. Like, what are some of the ways that you see? Um, Our society, whether it's through songs or stories, perpetuating that type of individualism, that that self-image, that self-awareness. Like, where do you see that? I think literally everywhere. I think we're (laughs)
1: self-obsessed. Okay.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, because where you whereas you have that collective mindset, pretty much everywhere else in the world, um, the West and America specifically is so consumed with individualism that. Um, Sometimes when we're asked to think of the betterment of the group before ourselves, we're like, hold on, that's pushing against my boundaries. You know, like it's it's I get to decide I have freedom to make decisions just based on me, not how it affects everyone else around me. Mm. Um, And I think that's really become a heartbeat of our culture is individualism. Live your truth, you know, love yourself, which, you know. It's,
2: I mean, it's in pretty much every song. I just yeah. got to be me or I have this feeling
0: or me. me it starts me, early, right? Me, Disney. Me, me. I was gonna say it oh does. My there is a lot of Disney that pushes that.
1: Yeah. Follow your heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I'm going
0: to be who I want to be.
1: Yeah. And, and I think you see it a lot now, um, especially with just it kind of ties into our social media so much on social media is about self-love and you know you have to respect yourself and love yourself and i literally read something yesterday that made me cringe so hard um it's and it was a person posting about boundaries it said just make sure when you say yes to someone else you aren't saying no to yourself hashtag boundaries Mm. and it's just like that is you know there there are levels of boundaries that's a totally different subject but we are just so self-obsessed if it's not good for us then it can't be good and for what anybody
0: furthers our self-image through those
2: type of platforms well, exactly. that's how people view um like dating nowadays and like the whole idea of love how can i get with someone who is going to make me feel better make mm-hmm. me look better um so i'm going to use this person i'm going to date them or go out with them or do whatever and i'm going to use them for a time for that they better me or they fulfill my needs, or they satisfy my longings. And when I'm done, peace. It's like disposable relationships. yeah. And that reflects on the idea that our Western culture is absolutely and utterly self-obsessed, and we can't get
0: over ourselves. We love us. Well, and I think you see today such a push against... The traditional identity, either Mm -hmm. through family or community, or even if you want to think through the church, like this reaction against, well, I'm going to be who I want to be, and Mm -hmm. nobody's going to tell me what I can and can't do or what I can and can't be or – This everything is about me and furthering that. So the question then let's kind of segue here a moment. Let me let me ask you guys this question, because really, as we think through all these questions, we have to answer this question, which is really kind of the foundational question when we think about identity. And that is where does identity come from? Uh, Does it come from within myself or is it given to me from outside of me? um because that that is the question because there are wrong ways of finding identity i mean uh you know we 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 find an identity that we um you know so much of today is is going after that type of, I'm creating my identity within me, Mm -hmm. or is it something that is given to us outside of us? That's a great question.
2: Um, You know, we've been talking about worldview over the past uh, several episodes, and we use that kind of that one episode that we did as a foundation, or two episodes. It was a two-part episode. Go back and listen to The Wonder of Worldview. I'd encourage you. you Yeah, yeah. you need to listen to that. But as we describe this, we're going to be describing this from biblical truth. And identity is received. It is. Uh, go back to Genesis 1 and God created man in his own image. That sounds like to me it's received. <laughs> man didn't create himself in God's image. God created man in his image. And then you go over to Romans chapters uh, 5 and 6 and it talks about how now we even carry the image of Adam, right? Uh, how death and sin has been passed down to all men for that all have sinned. Um, and so you see this this fabric through scripture that says identity is truly given, and we try and fulfill in our lives I call them false identities, um, but we try and achieve identities, so we try and change something we don 't like about ourselves you know and this is this is very common um, now in our culture i don 't like the way that I am i don 't like the DNA that I carry i don 't like the gender i have i don 't like this i don 't like that and so What's going to happen? Well, I'm going to change this about myself so that I am more satisfied or that I feel that I'm following my heart or I feel that I'm achieving this. But the Bible pushes up against that and it says, no, no, no. You have been given an identity by God. Your identity is not fluid. It's static. Now, do things change about you? Well, certainly things can change about a person. However, your core identity is truly given to you by God as a human. And then when you trust in him as your savior, Romans chapter six says that you will walk in newness of life, whose life, the life of Christ. And he Mm -hmm. gives you his identity now to carry. And so identity in scripture is going to be, is going to be a received scenario,
0: not an achieved scenario. Yeah, because even, even in the very beginning in Genesis, you're showing that being created by God, we were made in God's image, and that now, in the Romans, how it talks about that in Adam, you know that that was an image, a, a representative of of our identity, and now through Christ, uh, we can have a different identity because our, our society wants to push back against that because in the fierce individualism of of, of America, in particularly, everything is independent and I'm self-sufficient and I don't need somebody to tell me what I am or what I need. And, 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 and so what we do is it, we, we don't look to our identity as being given to us. So we have to go achieve it. We, mm-hmm. there's something that we have to go discover. And so all of the press of, of the day is we need to discover our own identity. We need to create our own identity. And the Bible, like you're saying, Stephen pushes up against that and says, no, 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 no you're dependent you're not independent you're dependent uh, upon god because he was the one who created you what do you think about that morgan
1: yeah i i think that's really good and it is it, that's a very countercultural idea in this day and age especially um i mean but people have been asking that and thinking about it for ages. I mean, you think about the nature versus nurture debate, like, is who we are in our nature or is who we are, how we're nurtured? Does that come out of our life experiences? And to a level, yes, there are things that, you know, you develop as a person because of the family you grew up in and, you know, the experiences you've had. But ultimately, like, our truest identity comes from the one who knows us better than we know ourselves. And, um, And I think it's, you know, it's so... Uh, sad to see so many people trying to create these facades of who they would like to be instead of seeking after God who will, you know, make them who they were meant to be. And you see it on social media. Again, it's like a multiple personality situation because they're one person online and then, you Mm. know, offline, they're just someone that they can't live with, you know?
2: Yeah. And even for like our Christian audience who would be listening to us, Christians do it too. They try and put up a false identity of who they are to make themselves look better in front of everybody else. And then they go home and they're a completely different person. And it's like, dude, (laughs) be who God created you to be, man, and let people see your faults and failures and let's work through them together, you know, Mm -hmm. but like, get get over it. You know, Uh, Tim Keller says something really interesting. He says, if our identity is in our work, basically, if we achieve our identity, Rather than in Christ, success will go to our heads and failure will go to our hearts. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that literally describes our culture right now. Mm-hmm. Because right. what is, what are the most fundamental things people deal with? Value. Depression. No, no, exactly. Um, why, like that. why is our why is Self-worth? our society
0: mm-hmm. so depressed? Why is our society having this have chronic identity. depression? It is an identity thing because mm-hmm. because the failure that they see either in themselves or in what they've not done goes directly to their heart, as, yeah. as Color it goes,
2: it goes back to what we were saying too earlier about how value and identity are connected. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's a, there's an illustration that I heard a while back that was really a really cool illustration. And it was about like this really rare antique bowl um, that this family found at like a yard sale and they had no idea what it was. And they set it on their mantle and it just sat there for like years. And finally, they saw like a picture of this thing and like a book or something. And they were like, what in the world is going on? So they took it to be appraised and it was worth like millions of dollars, oh like gosh. crazy. And they bought it for like five bucks or something. And the whole point of the illustration is and those the, yard sale deals. The value <laughs> and identity of the bowl didn't change. Mm-hmm. What happened though was they found the correct identity of the bowl and that the the value was there, the worth changed, you know? And so it's like- Their perceived worth of that changed. In life, we do the same thing. We always perceive a different worth because we don't know our correct identity in Christ. And if we understood our correct identity in Christ and the person who God created us to be, we would understand that- we are very valuable in the Mm -hmm. eyes of God and others should be valuable in our eyes because they bear his image, his image, right? They're image bearers of God. And so those two things are highly connected. And in culture, a lot of the um, fix for the problem, if you want to say so, and obviously it goes deeper and we could get into a whole sociological discussion right, and psychological discussion. But at its core, there's an identity crisis in our culture, in the church. Mm-hmm. And the it str- the people are struggling with, who am I? And if they answer that question wrongly, it will have very detrimental effects in their lives and in the group as a whole.
0: Yeah, I think that's go ahead.
1: Well, and I was just going to say they, they'll answer it wrongly because we're going to get the wrong appraisal from the wrong people. Right. You know, right. That's well, good. If, if we let
0: our world and the society that we're in, excuse me,
1: those wood chips.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, now you go to <laughs> talk about it now that you've mentioned it. So I, I have a hobby that I like to do, and it's woodworking. And uh, I I have just inhaled a lot of sawdust. And it's not good. And so I told my wife the other day, I was like, Jessica, we need to buy a shop vac. Not a shop vac. I need a dust collector and a dust filter. And <laughs> We don't have COVID on the set. <laughs> no, there's no, no, I no not on bring it set. back. It's, it's just, just wood wood chips. Chips. Pure wood chips from the workshop the other night. So. um. Yeah, where were we at? Oh, okay, yeah. So, oh, no, I don't remember where we at. Getting oh, the wrong appraisal yeah, from the, the world. Yeah, there you yeah. go. So if if our if our if we allow the world to define for us what our identity should be, and we let, of course, you know, as a Christian, there are always three things at work: uh, the flesh, our our nature, our sinful nature, which is probably the greatest one; uh, the world system that we're a part of. It. And then, of course, the you know the great adversary, and we think about all of those three things at work against the Christian, and a, a really challenging identity. And if and if and if we are listening to the wrong voice and listening to uh, really a wrong appraisal of who we are then we'll f- constantly find ourselves being discouraged. We'll find ourselves just being overwhelmingly crushed because we've been deceived from our real purpose, from really what God has created us for and what he has created us to. And and, and we'll miss out on those privileges in life. Well, it goes back to what we talked about at worldview the other week, that when we, when we really understand that we've been made by God and for God, and it is only living for his glory that we find true meaning and purpose in life. And anything that's apart from that will ultimately leave us just completely disillusioned and discouraged. So let's just take just a moment here and unpack what is God's identity that he has given us. So when we look at Scripture and the Bible talks about uh, these statements that that this is who God says we are as humanity, uh, first and foremost, and then what does God say about us in Christ uh, as Christians, what, what, what are some of those things that God says about us? I mean, the first one you mentioned all the way back in Genesis is that we're, well, according to Genesis, we were made in the image of
2: God originally in Adam. Now you look over in Romans six and you're gonna see that now we actually carry both the image of God in an imperfect form, right? Because we have sin in our lives, and we also carry the image of Adam in a sense too, because we you look at where it says that death and sin is passed to all men for all have sinned, right? And so while we are not perfect image bearers, we still do bear the image of God because we we Adam perfectly bore that image until he sinned. And so every person
0: around you does carry god's image well Mm -hmm. and having been created i mean genesis one god created man in his own image and in the image of god created he him male and female created he them and then god blesses them i mean i think that's what's amazing is in genesis five uh the bible says male and female he created them and he blessed them and like at this point in the story like like Adam and Eve hadn't done anything. I mean, God just blesses them and they're given his blessing, his grace. I mean, it's just this is who God is and this mm-hmm. is who he's made us to be. And then in his grace, he creates and then he blesses. Mm-hmm. What are some other things?
1: Um, I... Uh, well, I just, I have to speak on that because it's, it's so, it's so, I think we're so disconnected from that in the society because God isn't still making people out of dirt, you know, but the fact that God set up the way that he did for humanity to, to multiply in the, like, it's just so incredible that still every single human being is created in the image of God. And, and if you don't start there, um, I mean, fundamentally, you're just Your going to be Your going to be distorted from yeah. the, yeah. the beginning. Yeah. And um, but I and I also, and I think that we have to look at what does God say? Because there's a pre-redemption identity and then there's a post-redemption identity. Two. Let's talk about, about that. Primarily, there's let's talk there's about two identities.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so
1: pre-redemption, it doesn't look so hot for us, but I think that connects with everyone who is outside of Christianity because they know, like something is fundamentally broken there's in something
0: me. That yeah. There's something
1: flawed. Yeah, and I that, think yeah. the biggest thing for us, pre-redemption identity, God says we are dead in our sins. Like dead. You're not even living. You're just there you're hopeless and you're lost and um blind to to everything about God and his wisdom and all of that.
2: Yeah, I love how Romans um six, seventeen and eighteen put it. Paul says, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin. So there's that pre redemption identity, you were a slave to sin. Uh, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committing and having been set free from sin. There's the identity change. I have become, or we have become slaves of righteousness. Mm. Mm. So it's it's that pre and post redemption identity in two verses there with the changeover. And if you go back in earlier in Romans six, how does it happen? What happens when you're united with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection, and you take part in those things, and you how you do that through faith. Mm-hmm. And when he comes into your life, he changes your fundamental identity because identity is received, not achieved. So is salvation. Salvation is received not achieved. Mm -hmm. And he will change your identity and he will make you into one of his children, not just a part of his creation. Right now you're still a part of his creation, but also you have a new identity in Christ. What is that? That I'm a child of
0: God to become a child of God and to be, you know, uh, be a liberated slave and an adopted Mm -hmm. son. I mean, it's what God says about, especially in the book of Romans, the book of Romans is filled with these new identity words. Yeah words that are now ours or who we are and understanding the value that we have in being created in his image. Mm -hmm. I mean, even people who have yet to have embraced Christ, they're made in the image of God and they bear distinctly that value. But it's not until we come to know Christ and like you say, we die to ourselves and we embrace his death and life that in that moment, God has transformed us into being an adopted son of God. And he names us. I mean, um, John 10, He he's the shepherd and we're the sheep. And he says the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. Mm-hmm. I mean, he names us. Even in Genesis, God created them. He blessed them. And then the Bible says he named them man when they were created. So, what is the significance of those things about our new identity and God naming and giving us these things?
1: Well, it's it's through that new identity that's given to us in Christ that we are able to live as fully as we are meant to live. Like you can now live in that full extent of your identity as an image bearer of God because you you know who you are, and that unity with Christ is something so incredible. Um, Galatians 2.20 is one of my favorite verses. I consider that my life verse, but he's like, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. It's just an inseparable unity that we Mm -hmm. now have, and that has massive significance in eternity and for the way we live right now. If, If you are no longer living, Christ literally has the power to live and move and work. Wow. speak through yeah. you. That's
2: good. Yeah. As a Christian, it it should change your entire view and understanding of your identity when you fully recognize what Jesus has done for you. Um, it should change the way you live. It should change the way you think. And it should change the way that you even view yourself. You know, people, people always in our culture are talking about self-worth. You know, I need more self-worth. I need more self-esteem. I need to get that all fixed up, and the I Bible need to forgive myself exactly. I the mean, the whole image the Bible that. actually presents a completely counterculture opinion. It says, actually, you don't need to forgive yourself because um, Christ needs to forgive you. <laughs> you are messed up, and God needs to forgive you, and you need to seek His forgiveness. Uh, you don't need more self-esteem. You actually need to figure out where you fit at in the kingdom of God, and get the esteem of Christ. This is great purpose that God's created you for. Exactly. See Mm -hmm. what He sees in me. Because my value is not attached to what I do. It's attached to who I am. Mm. And in Christ who I am is something that i could never accomplish in my entire life and so thus my value is something i could never accomplish in my entire life Yeah, Th-
0: that's so good so as we kind of then shift gears here and we kind of wrap up kind of the whole season that we've been in talking about worldview and all of these things mm-hmm. you know specifically when we think about our society today in america and this very fierce individualism that is at work in our society why will that concept of identity just not work? Why Why does it just unravel and leave people like we were talking about completely unfulfilled?
2: Well, yeah, the, it, it, you look in our culture and you'll see the outworkings of that, of why it's not working. And you see that in different things like unrest, social unrest. You see it in unstable um, everything, right? (laughs) Literally, if you could define our culture and America in one word, I think I would define it as unstable. Uh, But the reason it doesn't work is because if you do not understand how your identity fits into the greater purpose or greater group as a whole, and I'm talking purely on a sociological level, there will always be conflict as to whose identity is more important mm. or who is has the better idea or who has more value. And individualism says that everyone has value, but my value is actually more than yours. Mm. That's the that's the heartbeat of individualism. My way or the highway. The only problem is that only works so far because you have how many hundreds of millions of people right now in America 300 and something 400 uh, well, and something million it's so unstable because ways. it's
0: those people and so it's, it's it's yeah. individualistic yeah. And, and so things are always changing because we're always looking within inside ourselves and we're always kind of judging ourselves based off of our own perception of things well
1: it's really relative right i mean go yeah. back to relativism in our worldview and take a look at cancel culture right now if you who you are rubs against somebody the wrong way you get canceled, canceled. Which, yeah. by the way,
2: they're really struggling right now because the, have you kept up with any of that? Like the people yeah. they're canceling is just like, wait, what? <laughs> how, how do you? And then they don't cancel other people, exactly. though. And so it's like there's an inconsistency there because yeah, it, it is subjective. There's and no it's, objective it's, definition. It literally,
1: it's so crushing because yeah. you have to live up to this weight of how am I going to survive without You're so worried about what other people are thinking about you that it's just like, how do you even breathe in a society like that?
0: You're always searching for a deeper meaning. You're always searching for that deeper value. Yeah of, okay, well, if I can explain it this way, if I can define myself in these terms, then maybe I'll I'll embrace, have a deeper understanding of meaning and value. And, and it is, it's incredibly crushing because there is, like you were saying, before Christ, before we come to know Christ and are given that new identity in Christ, there is this real flawed part of our human nature that's always saying to us, man, you're never living up to that. Like, you're never going to achieve that. Mm
1: -hmm. And ultimately, I mean, what is it that everybody wants in in coming to who they are? I think it's the desire to be accepted. As much as we want to Mm. be a host unto ourselves, we want to be accepted, to be known and loved.
0: In the way that we want to have that defined. Because because that goes right back to what we were looking at in terms of um, critical race theory or uh, intersectionality. Because intersectionality, you know, back at what we were looking at, and if you haven't listened to those episodes go back and listen to it but but intersectionality is is giving everybody a label and with every additional label whether it's my occupation or my gifts or my sexual identity my orientation whatever it is every additional label just splinters even more and more who we were made to be and reflected in God's image and 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 it completely distracts from Christ and God and what he is doing and it just has splintered our identity into all these different ways and so everything becomes so pragmatic it's like i am what i do and it's and it's that whole emphasis of I think that's why intersectionality and all those things are so destroying because, because every time you add another label, the more crushed you feel, like mm. the more weight you feel um, from that. What do y'all think about that? Yeah, no, I would highly agree with that. And
2: that's one reason why this is such an applicable topic to our current culture and state of affairs is no, I mean, just do a poll. Most, a lot of people are not happy with their identities. No, they're not. And they're wanting to change something fundamentally about themselves. And I mean, you can go and just look at culture right now and just ask people, just like go have conversations with people and you could figure, figure this out. I got to change my job. Well, why? Because I don't feel like um, it's bettering me as a person. I don't feel like it's it fulfilling, is enough. fulfilling and it's not showing who I am. Okay. Well, your job is not your identity, right? Or I mean, a a big one right now is that I need to change my gender to actually what I um, want to be or what I feel like I am, right? And Mm -hmm. there is this push because it's saying, okay, identity is no longer a static feature. It's something that's fluid and is completely subjective and is completely based on me as an individual. So now I must build my identity. I must achieve my identity. I must find my identity. Mm-hmm. And if I don't, I can't ever be complete. And mm-hmm. the Bible says, hey, by the way, no. Uh, <laughs> if you wanna find your identity, go to one place. Mm-hmm. It's God's word and Jesus Christ. And uh, also, Um, you can't achieve anything with your identity because when you do, like Tim Keller said, you're going to either get a really big head and nobody's going to want to be around you. Or, uh, if you don't, your heart's going to be really heavy and sad, and it's going to cause massive ramifications for you as a personal individual. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, because when you think about being made in the image of God, you know, we're made in his image and as his image bearers, we it's like you know a mirror. It's it's looking into that, and 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 because of the fall of man in Genesis three, we don't look into that mirror complete now or mm. uh, unbroken. It's it, it now has been fractured, and and now we look at society and we see where so many people are just content to use these broken shards of of a piece to reflect you know their image when they're they're missing out on just the the full sense of, of worth that mm-hmm. comes through what God gives us like what he names us and so ultimately i think what we're what we're trying to talk through and look at is anything we ultimately try to build our identity on apart from Christ is ultimately going to just it won't hold up. I mean, it's not meant to hold up the weight that we want to put on it. And that's exactly what idolatry is. I mean, that's the Mm. essence of uh, idolatry. It's, it's, it's this rejection of God and trying to, advocate your own sense of worth your own sense of self rather than realizing wait no no you were created by God and you were made in his image and he loves you far deeper than you can imagine and look at the depth of his love the depth of his love was in sending his son the lord jesus christ to come and to die on a cross and and to bear your brokenness and to be resurrected so that you might embrace his life and that that your image can be restored like mm-hmm. That's the gospel. Like that's what's so transforming and awesome is that. Like when you come to know Christ, like it changes your whole outlook on life. It it changes the way you relate to people, the way that you relate to God. It's it's all been changed because of Jesus.
1: Yeah, and I just think that's so. It's so massive, and what an incredible truth to comprehend. But and that's the thing. Like when you come to Scripture as a, as you know before believing in Christ, you come to Scripture and you look and it validates every deep seated fear that you had about yourself that you are broken and you are beyond hope and there you can't do anything for yourself but what it doesn't do is leave you there like so many other things in society that are trying to tell you who you are the gospel like what you said Aaron it it transforms us because it says yes you are broken without hope and lost and sinful beyond measure yet god loved you so much That he sent his perfect and holy son to die for you so that you can take on the identity of Christ and be who God created you to be. And I just don't think there's anything better than that.
0: No, I totally agree. And I think the one thing as we kind of wrap up that, that I feel like maybe is not as well clearly communicated today through the church. And that is showing people this new identity that is theirs in Christ. Where is it headed? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, where yeah. is this purpose to which God has called yep. you? Because I think sometimes we get so pragmatic in what has happened or what God has done that we we forget to think through what is God doing. Yeah. Like, where We're more is this headed? In how it helps me now? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Like you know, it's it's looking towards. I, I was challenged with that this week. You know, look toward Revelation and look at what is going to happen through and with the church of God and and these new people that God has redeemed for his glory. I mean, mm-hmm. look at where that's going. And yeah. and you know, there should be and there will be great fulfillment that comes through a relationship with Christ, but even more so when you think even long term mm-hmm. as to where all this is headed. Like, man, how much more uh great and and worth Uh, do we see in those things? Yeah. So let's just end it this way. You know, the only opinion that really matters is God's opinion and God's opinion of how he sees you. Um, and that through Christ, through relationship with Christ, God could see you as righteous, uh, to be made right before him. And, um, and one day, you know, we're all going to stand and give an account before God. And at that moment and on, on that day, like the only thing that really will matter about your identity is what did God say about it? And, mm-hmm. and yeah. what are you resting in and living in today? Um, so identity theft can happen to Christians. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think it happens a lot more than maybe we would realize. And uh, and kind of oddly enough about how your illustration worked, it's
2: inadvertent too.
1: Yeah, Ew, um, it's subtle.
2: And often it's us inadvertently trying to replace mm-hmm. our
0: identity because we think we're doing a good thing, but we really aren't. Wow. Well, listen, we have really enjoyed being with you this season, and we hope you'll stay around and uh, join us for season four. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Where We Land, Christ, Culture, and the Church. Hey, listen, if there's anything we've talked about on the show today that you would like to know more about, we would love to hear from you. So send us your thoughts, questions, and feedback on this or any other episode, and we'd love to uh, connect with you on our email at podcast at whereweland.org. We're going to be taking a short season break to uh, lay out some things for season four. And so if you're listening to these episodes and the way that they fall, uh, just wait a couple weeks and uh, there'll be a new season for where we land. We hope you'll join us then.